The pandemic disrupted the B2B sales process permanently, and we found positively. In fact, 68% of buyers say that working remotely has made buying easier. In this episode, we'll unpack why this is permanent, but more importantly, why it's positive, especially in light of the current market uncertainty across the business landscape. It's one of the three key themes ahead covering buying, tech, and top performers. Hi, I'm Grace Garrison. Welcome to Take the Lead, Episode 5 from LinkedIn Sales Solutions, the State of Sales 2022 Asia-Pacific Edition. In this episode, we have two incredible guests who are senior business leaders and have the depth and breadth of experience when it comes to business transformation. Wherever you're listening to Take the Lead, please subscribe or follow the show if you haven't already. There are four episodes in this series on leadership in sales across Asia Pacific that are available with senior executives from companies like PwC, DocuSign, and Grant Thornton. And today I'll be joined by MYOB and Telstra. You'll get their insights into the changing nature of international sales and evolving customer strategies applicable to the business landscape of 2022 and beyond. You can get the full report of the State of Sales 2022 Asia-Pacific edition by following the link in the episode description or by searching for LinkedIn Sales Solutions on LinkedIn. Let me welcome Daniel West, who is currently the Chief Sales and Support Officer for MYOB, and Reagan Berry from Telstra, who is the Group Commercial Steering Owner. Hi, Daniel. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Grace. It's uh, great to be here and uh, really appreciate you having me. I have the pleasure of leading the thousand strong sales and support organization at uh, MYOB, and we're essentially responsible for servicing, uh, marketing to and selling to our 750,000 or so customers. And Reagan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Grace. It's great to be here again. Thank you for the invitation. We're always pleased to come along and uh, engage in these sorts of conversations. So I lead the end-to-end planning, performance, sales operations and sales strategy across our Tulsa Enterprise Division. As the pandemic turns endemic, we also have the macroeconomic backdrop that is happening around us. It's different in North America, it's different in, uh, in Europe, and it's very different here in APAC. I'd like to pose the question to you both around what is your point of view on uh, the current situation or the current uh, environment, and how are Telstra and MYOB thinking about that from, a, uh, from both a go-to-market, but also from a workforce perspective? I'll start with you this time, Reagan. Obviously, the, the macroeconomic environment is changing rapidly. We've moved from COVID, we had two years of of COVID and what that brought, which saw huge disruption both for the entire world. And if we think about it from how our customers respond and then our people, and and I'll talk about that in a second, but then straight out of that, we've moved into a very uncertain times in the economic market with high inflation, we're moving back to particularly an Australian interest rate increasing environment. And then if you look over around the world globally, think about what's going on in Europe or then 
the US is heading into recession. So for us in the technology space, this has led to just a couple of really key things. If I talk about it from our customers' perspective, our customers are telling us they want, need and want to move quicker on transformation. They need to move to digital tools and platforms. This was initially forced through necessity of workforces moving from home. And you think about overnight and over a matter of weeks and months, entire workforces went from being office-based to 100% working from home. The concept of hybrid was introduced in some organisations for the first time, and we know that some organisations were at the forefront of that. You've got others, particularly in, say, the government sector that were well behind. So for us, there was an incredible amount of pressure on us from our customers about helping them to transform to get to that immediate state of, of how they support their workforce. As we're now moving into the environment, that I said, around the the change in the economic factors, we're seeing really two things and in an inflationary environment. We've got some companies that obviously access to capital is reducing and drying up or harder so that they're being far more selective on, on their projects and what they're looking like and obviously a shift in funding models. But then also others are saying, we've got to move even quicker. We've got to improve our efficiency, improve our productivity and to make sure that we're set up for the future to deliver with less resources and a scarcity of resources around the economic challenges. And then if you look at how that plays out in a market, we serve huge government customers, we've got a large enterprise and then a mid-market. There are slight nuances within each. And if I just focus on, say, the government sector, the investment in IT, particularly around security, and we think of the global uh, security threats that I think everyone saw came to life during the Ukraine and um, Russia conflict, that's absolutely heightened the awareness around cybersecurity more than anything else. So governments are incredibly focused on um, security as a play, and that's something that we're really focusing on. So what I would say, Grace, and we could talk about this, and I'm sure Daniel's got many thoughts as well for a long time, is it's constant change. And we talk about internally in our organisation is we can't be stagnant. And what the last three years have shown us is the rate of change in the world is quicker than we've ever seen it. And we've got to make sure that we're staying in front of that to support our workforce and then also our customers. The key thing that you know that you spoke about, and, and again, when you were in Hong Kong, you were leading, uh, you know, the global transformation, you know, for the business. Is like transformation really has no no end. The environment is always changing, whether it's technology, whether it's your customer, whether it's your is your workforce. Daniel, what about you, and and what's happening from an MYOB perspective? In addition to the you know the macroeconomic changes that Reagan was just referring to, one of the things that we've been very focused on is what has been the impact of the pandemic on our customers, which uh, are really those small and medium businesses from you know zero to a thousand employees across Australia and New Zealand. As you would imagine, one of the key results of the pandemic was that it really accelerated the digitization of those businesses. We all had to do more with less, yeah, and those uh, small and medium businesses were no exception. We actually recently conducted some research on this topic that we released in a report recently called the, the Digital Disconnection uh, Challenge Report, uh, where we surveyed about uh, 2,000 uh, small and medium-sized businesses across Australia and New Zealand. And what we found is that while digitization is a must-do, and it is uh, it can improve the way that businesses operate and result in more profitable uh, business, we believe that there is a difference between what we're calling good digitization and bad digitization. And bad digitization is a condition that exists when the digital tools that a small and medium-sized business has selected to help streamline, automate, simplify key workflows or key business processes within their business 
actually isn't achieving that goal because you end up with disconnection between the different applications that they're using, which creates silos of data, which creates inefficiencies in workflows because data has to be re-entered from one system into another, into another. And all of that creates work in reconciling the data that exists in those different systems. And it also means that the business isn't able to make uh, decisions with confidence uh, because they're not sure about you know, the, the data. And we actually found in this research report that I'm referencing that about 50% of all of the businesses across Australia and New Zealand in that zero to 1000 space believe that their digital tools are actually hindering them, not helping them. So one of the big changes that, uh, that MYOB is driving is while we will still be very focused on serving our customers in that core accounting space, it's really about how do we transform ourselves so that we can more effectively help our customers address this issue associated with bad digitization and through the provision of what we're calling a business management platform that allows them to truly simplify and automate those key workflows that are going to help drive their business performance and help them do more with less. Because as Reagan was saying, this change that we're seeing in the world is not going to let up, it's going to only, uh, only continue. I also want to add on to that. The APAC state of sales report complements that, you know, that finding 45%. So almost half of the sellers we surveyed say that their biggest challenge is incomplete data. Uh, which is, you know, what we call this a dirty data, which is a, which is a big, uh, which is a huge problem. And I like the notion of what you're talking about is a business management platform. I want to tag on to that because you spoke about your own sales transformation within, uh, within MYOB and using a platform or, or a, or a tech stack. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, Daniel? Yeah, so while, the, while the, uh, the pandemic certainly accelerated transformation for our customers, the same was true for MYB. We not only needed to transform the way that we operated so that we could help our customers more effectively, but we had to make sure that we were operating in an effective and efficient way to deal with the issues uh, that we all dealt with during the pandemic. So we have been going through our own transformation journey. There are a number of key elements to that. So the first thing that we did was we implemented the iLayer model, which Grace, you would be uh, probably quite familiar with in terms of the identify, uh, land, expand, adopt, and, uh, and renew with our customers. And we really established specializations across our organization so that rather than having a generalized account management role that serviced the needs of customers from everything from uh, helping them acquire a new solution to dealing with port issues or service issues or what have you, uh, we really created specializations across the customer journey. So we have teams now within MYOB who are specifically focused on working with our customers to create demand and identify and qualify uh, opportunities. We have teams within the organization who are focused on acquisition from a sales perspective with new customers and who are focused on working with existing customers to expand their usage uh, of, our, of our product portfolio to help deliver you know, more business value. Uh, we have established and matured over the last two years our customer success capability so that our customer success teams can work with our existing customers to drive their adoption of key capabilities that will deliver them value to ensure that we have an understanding of those expansion opportunities where we can help those customers uh, in more ways and that uh, ultimately that we are retaining those customers 
because we're delivering uh, a lot of value to them and to their business. So that was another key element. The third was then building a consistent sales operating rhythm and sales process so that we could drive the discipline and rigor necessary to execute with, with scale and efficiency as we were transforming from a accounting software vendor to a SaaS provider of, uh, of a business management platform solution. And last but certainly not least was uh, developing a, a, a very strong suite of sales tools, LinkedIn Sales Navigator uh, being one, but along with you know, Gong and Highspot and Consensus that will allow us to increase the effectiveness and efficiency of the activities that our sales teams and our customer success teams and our solution consulting teams were driving, uh, as well as ensuring that uh, we were focusing on the right types of customer engagement through those tools. And uh, we've seen that work to great effect. A couple of things that I, I want to call out in what you just said, it's I-layer specialization as a transformation of the teams that you have from an end-to-end kind of customer lifecycle perspective. You know, we found as well that, you know, the shift into, uh, you know, post-pandemic is that it's no longer just a, you know, one buyer. It's actually a buying committee that are often working from remote or hybrid kind of environment. What you've done is is really like creating almost like a team because, you know, sales is really a team sport. And I think that's how you kind of describe that. And you're leveraging really your sales platform such as Sales Navigator, such as Gong, to make sure that, you know, your team are focused on, uh, on the right areas. Reagan. I admire the work they're doing at NYB. I think it's um, great examples of how sales forces are needing to transform to make changing dynamics, but also to make sure that we continue to thrive and serve customers. From our perspective, in we're constantly in a transition journey from being a, a telco, more and more in the tech space as well. So we really have two very different aspects of our business, our traditional connectivity, business around mobiles and, and fixed connectivity, and then our um, our services business and particularly around Telstra Purple and what we're doing. We've done a huge amount of work in changing um, our entire go-to-market approach to make sure that we can be um, accelerate on that on that shift internally on how we're selling and how we're positioning the market and making sure that we're able to, um, as I said, run two sorts of separate businesses um, together to provide really that strong mindset around solutions for customers um, as opposed to products. Along the way, we've also, um, which is not probably revolutionary for other areas, but certainly something Telstra hasn't done overly well is we've really embedded industry within Telstra. Telstra has always been a geographically focused um, sales and go-to-market engine. That's what's happening in Victoria or New South Wales or Queensland or Asia. So we introduced 12 months ago this kind of really pushing towards industry and standing up strong industry verticals. We initially went out with agriculture, supply chain and logistics, federal government or government as a vertical, and then mining and energy. And we've expanded that in this financial year to bring in BFSI as a standalone, adding construction, and then splitting out further our, our customer base to ensure that we've got clear distinction between federal government, state government, local government, and then across our enterprise customer base, splitting out between our, our mass market or our commercial business segment and then our mid-market space. Because within um, TE, we service customers that spend hundreds of millions of dollars a year with us, right through to, to far smaller companies, um, some of the examples that Daniel was talking about. So for us, we've recognised that for us to be successful, we need to be far more clear on how we segmented our customers, 
how we're targeting them, and all that comes down to data-driven selling and uh, focus and strategies. So it's recognizing that it's not one one size fits all. We've got to be different. We've got to recognize our customer needs, and we've got to make sure that our sales force um, is armed with that information, that data, and to build those relationships. And um, as Daniel mentioned around the work with Sales Navigator, likewise, we've introduced that domestically as one of a suite of tools that we're looking at around driving customer intimacy, driving understanding, and then crucially really getting in depth of understanding how to solve business challenges and shifting the conversation from us providing great products around how we provide services that meet the challenges of our customers. So they're just some of the things that we've done, but I, I would just focus on that sales transformation, um, again, it's something that's an evolution. It continuously is changing as our, as our customers shift. Providers and particularly tech companies and tech providers have got to stay ahead of that. And LinkedIn is obviously a market leader in this as well. It's around preempting the needs and wishes of our customers and how do we collectively do that. And all that comes down to, to data and understanding the market, understanding the trends, and ultimately you hope that you'd understand customer as well, if not better than they understand themselves. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Ray, again. I think the uh, the key thing you really hit on there for me is this idea of customer relevancy. You know, one of the things that we also did over the last couple of years is shift the way that we were organized from a, you know, what I would call a very traditional inside sales versus field sales approach to a segment-based, a customer segment-based approach. So, you know, as you were saying, we have also moved our organization structure to align with specific customer cohorts that are defined by the segment that they're in. Construction, manufacturing, professional services are all very key for us in our what we call our enterprise part of our business, uh, which is those customers with, you know, 50 to you know, a couple of thousand employees. And then below that in our SME business, very focused on goods-based businesses and the accounting and bookkeeper community. So yes, completely, completely agree with that, that need to drive that customer relevancy. And the better you understand the, the customer, the more value uh, your, your sales and broader go-to-market organization are able to deliver. I love the term that you had, the, the bad digitization versus good. We've got a similar concept and it's around value adding versus not. And it's just going through tech transformation, whether or not it adds. I mean, the challenge, Grace, obviously for companies like ours is you want to get more specific, you want to get more detailed, you want to get more segmented. That takes time and that takes effort and that traditionally put costs into the back end of your business. So as much as it's helping customers digitize and transform, it's how we transform internally to get make sure that we can actually do that efficiently. So the demands on my team every day is how do we get better data, better insights, more accurate, at the same time, do it faster, do it with less money and make sure it's more automated. So it's that internal tension as well about how we're transforming internally at a rate that enables us to then be competitive externally and help our customers transform. That goes into uh, my next question for both of you. You spoke about data-driven selling. Daniel, you spoke about good data, bad data, or good digitization and bad digitization. And we know that from a sales transformation perspective, it's still about the people, the process, and then there's the, and there's the technology. So with that, company transformation is really around how you better service, how do you add value to your customers? How are you bringing your teams with that, leveraging technology, leverage, leveraging data? A couple of items that you know I want to call out, uh, State of Sales Report 2022 Asia Pacific Edition, that the top performers do more research before reaching out to prospects. Recognizing that 
buyers or the buying committee has access to information right off the bat. And so they need to be adding value, you know, in every interaction. The other one too is with a great reshuffle is really the importance of keeping tabs on your buyer buying committee. Eight in 10 sellers uh, from this report have said that, you know, they've lost deals or, or deals have stalled in the past 12 months due to a key stakeholder leaving a company or moving on to a new role. How are you driving that change as in the past data and insights have been you know, centralized in one group. But now, you know, what I've seen is that the, is that democratization of data now and insights being available with the front line, you know, sales. I'll start with you, Reagan, recognizing data and analytics is under your remit, and you are currently leading a massive sales transformation within, uh, within Telstra Domestic. Democratize is absolutely the word. It's about making sure it's easy and it's accessible. The first thing that we've tried to do around data analytics is just get it in people's hands to show them what's out there and what's available. Then it's about evangelizing. When you've got a few people and a few sellers that get it and understand, and as the stats say, top performers, 100%. They're successful because they've got the edge and there's something different. And as you get more and more of those stories and you sell those through the organization, that's what really builds the momentum. There's obviously, there's the pushing and there's the leading the horse to water, but then it's really creating that carrot and encouraging them to drink. The reality is people have been working from home in the pandemic They've been forced to change the way they sell. They've been forced to change the way they interact with customers. And they're starting to see the value of insights, analytics, and research far more because they can't spend as much time physically with customers. So I think the pandemic, if we think about something good that's come from it, it's changed the way people thinking. People in my roles and Daniel as well will appreciate it. It certainly made the story easier of this is why we have tools. This is why you should use them. And here are some great resources. I can think of countless times we've done things and it's like, just pick up the, it's here, just use it or just engage. So the pandemic's helped that. It's an evolution, absolutely. And it's something that doesn't happen overnight. You're trying to reteach people to change the way they've done things that have been very successful in the past and it's forcing them to think differently. And I think your comment around the, the reshuffle, one of the things that we've experienced, Telstra is traditionally has very long tenure. That's always been something about our organisation um, and part of our culture. So we've always struggled with um, customers that see the rate of change and, and their attrition rate significantly higher than ours. Telstra's now starting to the great reshuffle and the great resignation. We're starting to see it as well. So I think there is a greater appreciation, understanding of relationships are critical to sell still, but it's recognizing that the breadth of relationship that's needed, and that's where you need to use different tools and different avenues, because just as quickly as we change our people, organizations are changing at the same time. So it's about how you build the connection, the relationship between Telstra and the organization, as opposed to individual at Telstra and individual at the organization. And that's where those synergies across relationships more than just personal based on data and a, and a shared understanding of what both organizations can bring to a partnership is absolutely critical. And the last thing I'd say that we've all seen that um, our top achievers um, and our top sellers are always those that intricately understand their customers, they understand the industry, they're generally the best users of tools and systems, and they've probably got the deepest product knowledge. So when we can hold these people up as this is what good looks like and this is what success looks like. I love what you just said there, Reagan, around you know your top sellers today understand their customer's business, adds value to that conversation, and really understand their relationships, not, you know, across, you know, across the organization. And to me is, that's, that's always been core to what a sales professional is. I think what's different this time is, how does that sales professional leverage that technology and taking them on that journey, which is what you said around, you know, it's important to, to set the context 
why Telstra is doing this and you know what's in it you know at a uh, at a sales rep level MYOB is driving this change and this transformation within that within your sales organization as well you know one of the key things I didn't mention earlier that is absolutely critical to this journey one is you've got to establish that change vision right so what is the vision for the to be state that you're trying to achieve as an organization and then you need to bring everybody in the organization along with you on that vision. And it's not only uh, you know, what's in it for your customers and what's in it for the organization, but what's in it for them as individuals. And so that's one of the areas that we've been really focused on is um, helping the team understand that our goal through this sales transformation journey is not only to be in a better position to serve our customers and a better position to drive the commercial outcomes that are required for MYOB, but also to give them the opportunity to be the best version of themselves, whether they're in sales or customer success or solution consulting, that they can possibly be. So that's kind of one, one area. The other area where we have made significant investments over the last two years is around our enablement capability. So when a new salesperson uh, joins our organization, they understand and their manager understands with a great deal of clarity what their next six months of that onboarding journey looks like, what the expectations are that they're expected to learn and demonstrate during that period of time, and how that will impact their ability to be successful in terms of retiring their quota and achieving their comp plan and so on. So enablement has been a very significant part of our transformation approach. And, you know, I would go as far as to say that the primary role of enablement is to drive the change in behavior that is going to enable the transformation that you're seeking to achieve. And so for us, enablement is not just about training. It's not just about coaching. It's about driving the change in the behavior of the organization at the individual level so that you can change the way you engage with customers, you can change the, uh, the way that you use the tools and the processes that you've invested in as an organization because getting the level of adoption that's required to get an investment or a return on any investment requires sustained reinforcement. And that's how you ultimately drive that return. So the enablement for us is really the combination of our sales operating rhythm, what a salesperson needs to know, and the tools that we've made available to them, whether that's LinkedIn Sales Navigator, whether other tools, but it's about making sure that they understand how to use those tools so that they can have the best quality of conversations with their customers. Comes back to that point around customer relevancy that we were discussing earlier, that they can have the best conversations with customers at the right time. This is where things like next best action. So I also have the analytics and insights team as part of my remit. So an area where we put a lot of focus is how do we build the data capabilities to be able to identify next best action for our existing customers so that we can be having the right conversations with them at the right time. And then lastly, how do we ensure that we're using those tools and processes so that we have the level of scale and efficiency that in each part of our sales organization we can be having the right volume of conversations to drive the, the top of funnel activity required to hit our commercial outcomes. 
Wow, that's amazing. Uh, I love what you said around, you know, establishing the change vision. And it's not only about, you know, what's in it for the company, what's in it for the organization. And that is something that we're going through as a team and very mindful of how that is important of, of what's in it for, you know, for, you know, for the sales rep. The second was, as you said, around enablement from a capability perspective. You know, what we saw from a LinkedIn perspective is really, you know, enablement, you know, has come from a, almost like in the, in the back office and straight up front as being a strategic partner to CROs and, you know, and sales organization. And again, with a great reshuffle and the amount of change and onboarding that is happening, you know, across the board, you know, onboarding and getting clarity of what's expected and that support that sales professional need while they're joining a new company is, uh, is ever more important. And you have many business and sales leaders listening to this podcast, kind of saying like, how do I invest? Because as you said earlier, Daniel is, it has to be around having the right tools and platforms and technology to make sure that your teams are efficient, effective, and productive in ensuring that they have quality conversations, uh, you know, with their, with their customer. Like what would be your advice or recommendation for leaders who, again, are fronted with the you know massive amount of sales technologies that are out there. Reagan, I'll start with you. There are so many different tools on the market and it can become at times daunting. So I think the first step is be clear on what the problem is that you're trying to solve. And if you don't understand that internally, then don't start pursuing different opportunities. The first thing is be clear. What, what is the actual problem that you're trying to solve? So pick one, pick two, pick three. Don't try and think you're going to solve everything overnight and everything with one tool. That's the first thing. Secondly, do your research and probe vendors. Um, I know when LinkedIn approached me, we've had many conversations. I've uh, probed very hard, gone through a period of discovery as well around being open and honest around these are some of the challenges that I've got. Be really clear with you guys and LinkedIn around what your tools can solve. And then the third thing I would say is be discerning and be selective in the sense that pick a couple of things don't try and do everything because you've got to think about it's anytime a new tool is introduced it's not just here's a tool go and use it it's about a cultural change there's training involved there's process there's adoption the last thing you want is to suddenly have a whole gamut of things you're trying to do everything it's just not possible so we've been really selective we don't have all the tools today that we're going to need we know we're not solving every problem we've picked a couple of different things that we're trying to solve for and then we've gone right we'll have tool a b and c let's get good at that let's get that implemented let's get some runs on the board then let's move to the next thing so have a roadmap and have some clarity but keep it simple be clear on your vision uh, and don't be afraid to, to push vendors to help you along that journey so I completely agree with everything that Reagan said. I can't tell you the number of times that I've walked into an organization in a new role and they've got every tool that you could possibly have uh, you know, on the shelf and almost none of them are being used effectively and not really driving a return on investment. That is definitely a trap that you can fall into if you're not careful. I think the only thing that I would add to Reagan's comments, and he touched on it, but I think it's a really important uh, thing to emphasize is that the biggest cost associated with the rollout of any new sales tool is not the acquisition cost. It is the cost and the time and the effort associated with driving the, the adoption and the change in behavior over a sustained period of time 
that you need for that new tool or the process that that tool enables. It's the, the level of effort required to drive that adoption, drive that change. It's got to become part of your enablement program. It's got to become part of your coaching rhythm. It's got to become part of your sales operating rhythm. And ultimately, uh, if you know, your head of sales or your CRO or chief sales officer or whatever isn't using that tool themselves and isn't using that tool to drive the discussions with their leaders and their leaders aren't using the tool to drive the discussions with their managers and all the way down through the organization, then that, that has been a less effective investment than it might have been. I agree with you on that, Daniel, is that, you know, it has to be demonstrated across all levels of the organization. And from a sales transformation perspective, you know, our conversations with yourself and with with Reagan is about, you know, when you have a platform or a tool that is adding value, let's make sure that every, you know, every sales rep has access to that. So making sure like they're, you know, it's not about the few being successful, but all sales, you know, sales reps, uh, sales professionals are successful, which is what you've done at MYOB and a, a, at a Telstra. It's also about walking the walk. And as senior leaders, my view is if I'm not prepared to use a tool, then I can't ask anyone else to either. If I can't see the value in it and I can't easily engage with it, it's very hard for me to ask the rest of the organization to as well. So I know when we look at tools internally, I don't directly have the sales force, but Daniel was 100% right. If your chief sales officer isn't on board, you're on a hiding for nothing. You've got to get the stakeholder buying and you've got to be prepared to commit to it and commit to using it and driving that behavior as well. And I know we've had um, we've had many examples of that within Telstra where we've rolled out tools that half the leadership team is 100% supportive of and the other half isn't, just doesn't happen. And we've had others where everyone's on board and that's where we get the real success. So Daniel, we spoke about the people aspect along with the customers, technology and process. The one thing that, that I often see in LinkedIn as well is around you know, the culture uh, perspective. What do you view are, you know, is the role of culture when it comes to driving and enabling sales transformation? Daniel, we'll start with you and then we'll go to Reagan. Yeah, so I, I couldn't agree more, Grace. I think culture is the foundation actually of any transformative initiative or, or process. And I think for me, culture comes down to two things. One is, do you have a well-defined, documented and lived set of values? So are there a set of values across the organization that aren't just statements on a wall, but that are, that are actually lived, celebrated, talked about, and that everybody you know understands and kind of holds to be holds to be core to the the identity of the organization number one and then in terms of the culture i mean cultures are a set of behaviors that are repeated constantly right that's what culture is that's what builds a culture is it's a it's a set of behaviors that get repeated over and over and over and over again and they become ingrained into the walls of the organization which is one why it's so hard to change because <laughs> uh, they, they live in the walls. But two, it's why you have to be so deliberate and so focused about what you're doing. And so I think, you know, for me, one of the things we've been really focused on at MYB as we've been driving the sales transformation is making sure that the, the, the rhythms, the processes, even the tools that, you know, we were talking about earlier are part of the, they form the basis of the behaviors that we want the sales organization and, and you know, customer success and other parts of, 
the, the, the customer facing functions. Uh, those are the behaviors that we want to see enabled when people join the organization. We want them to understand the right way to do things. Uh, and we need our managers and our leaders to be constantly coaching and reinforcing and recognizing and rewarding the right behaviors. Because if you've picked the right behaviors, ultimately, if they get done, they're going to lead to the right commercial outcomes. So for me, it's really the combination of those two things. It's the values and those uh, behaviors uh, repeatedly and consistently executed. Look, it's the age-old adage that if you want to stay um, constant and relevant, you've got to be constantly changing, transforming. But that's a mindset and that's a cultural approach that you've got to bring within your organisation. So having that growth mindset and being agile and open to change is absolutely the, the, the first thing that you've got to have to be able to introduce um, transformation of, of a bold nature. Like you can do small little increments, but if you really want to transform, you've got to think differently and be open-minded. We started this podcast talking about the impacts of the, the macroeconomic environment, what's going on. That forced people to think differently. Whether or not they were open to it is probably a different question, but it was a necessity. Now, it's how we harness that new approach and new thinking and, and embed that as part of a culture of um, fail fast, try things, move and be adaptable um, is absolutely critical. And I think Daniel hit the nail on the head talking before that the hardest part and the biggest cost, it's got nothing to do with the cost of a system, it's that cultural change and it's the time and effort that you invest in cultural change. But the good thing is once you do it once and once you keep building that muscle of change and building that strong culture, it becomes easier the second time and the third time and the fourth time. So for anyone listening, I think that's got to be a focus. Before you go and attempt major sales change, you may be forced to do it through economic factors, but also really spend the time to, to plan out your change management um, and your culture management, which is often... Um, left the wayside, but that's got to be front and center for any change to be effective. Wonderful. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Reagan. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Take the Lead, a podcast from LinkedIn Sales Solutions. Wherever you're listening, subscribe or follow, tell a colleague about the show. And if you want to dive a little bit deeper on some of the topics covered, get the full report. The State of Sales 2022 Asia-Pacific Edition, published by LinkedIn. You can find a link in the episode description or by searching for State of Sales LinkedIn Sales Solutions. I look forward to you joining us for our next and final episode in this series of Season 1 of Take the Lead. I'm Grace Karrison at LinkedIn Sales Solutions. Thanks for listening.